Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, 10 volumes available for your reading pleasure and pure delight at Amazon in paperback and ebook formats. And if you like to put your earbuds in while you're mowing the lawn or riding your bike, Nine of the ten volumes are available in audio form at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. So please go out and partake of a book or two. And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? Yeah, or three or four or, uh, you know, a gross <laughs> of them. <laughs> Yeah, a gross, like a gross of bottle rockets. <laughs> or uh, a gross-looking woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the word, uh, words are operative, you know what I mean? Uh, depends how you lay them on people. Yeah, I was thinking know? of 144 books. Okay, 144 books. 12 uh, yeah. times 12. You know. Yeah, I'm interested. You buy 144 you keep a set for your own archive, and you give the rest away. Exactly. So you give a, like you give a lot be, away. Just drop them off at uh, <laughs> you know Habitat for Humanity. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your public library. Wow! Thanks, Across man. Across the state, you could be like Johnny Appleseed. Yeah, walking walking around handing out the Bigfoot terror in the woods. <laughs> you make a lot of friends. <laughs> yeah, I told you, Kev, I uh, rebuilt the carburetor on that 25-horse uh, two-stroke today. And, outboard, uh, outboard motor, right? Yeah, outboard yeah. engine on my uh, my little fishing craft. And uh, everything went well. And then when I went to start it up, it was like a uh, smokescreen. <laughs> but... Uh, I realized my first thoughts were like, what the heck happened here, you know? And then I realized after a few minutes that I hadn't pushed the choke in entirely. Well, I was going to ask you how many extra parts you had. Yeah, nothing. Although the <laughs> kit, the kit for this carburetor covers like, I don't know what it is, like, a bunch of different engines over a long period of time. Oh, so you could actually have extra parts. Yeah, no, they tell you up front that, you know, if you have anything in here, it just doesn't belong to your carb. So, uh, but everything else was virtually similar. There was only a couple of things, really, that may not, may or may not be for you. 
Uh, so it wasn't like I had a bag of uh, parts left over. There was like two items that didn't belong to me. Mm. But they figured it out, and I got it running. It runs good now, man. Very cool. Well, Bill, while you were doing that, I saw uh, almost a tragic circle of life incident, and that is I was on a bike ride down here at the coast of North Carolina, mm-hmm. and there's like a little greenway that I ride on on a regular basis on my bike, mm-hmm. and um, there's a big pond along it, like a drainage pond, you know, okay. but it always has a lot of water in it, and we know that there's a big alligator that lives in this pond. Oh, boy. And I've seen him up on the shore before, and he's about nine feet long, which is a big gator. Yeah, that's a big gator. (laughs) We don't don't really have alligators, so that's a big one. Yeah. And um, there's signs all along this stump thing, you know, that say, alligators, you know, don't go near the water, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I'm riding along, and this old guy's walking with a cane, and he's got a leash with no dog on the end of the leash. Uh-oh. And he's calling his dog, and his dog comes whipping by him. It's a golden retriever. It dives into this pond. Oh, no. Yeah, well, it, it ends okay. But I'm there, and I'm like, holy crap, does this guy know there's an alligator in this pond? And I look out to the middle of the pond. Now, it's about 100 yards long, so it's big. Yeah. But in the middle of the pond, about 50 y- yards from the dog, all of a sudden you see this alligator surface. And it's uh, doing probably five or six miles an hour right at the shore where the dog is. Oh, boy. Yeah, and I'm yelling to the guy, like, there's an alligator. You see the alligator? And he's calling the dog, but he's kind of nonchalant. I think he was a little out of it, old-timer. But, you know, fortunately the dog got out. Uh, okay, but I was like, whoa, I thought we were going to have a cryptids in the news oh, dog man. encounter. Yeah, well, they, he would have took that dog out, and that oh. would have been the end of it, you know? Yeah, that would have been horrible. Oh, my goodness. Me being for- a dog lover, it would have been horrible. Yeah, the, the poor old guy, you know, losing his pal. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so, man. So. Whoa. All right, well. It, it wasn't an outboard, but it was like, man, it reminds me of these gators, man. You can't even see this thing. You know, he's probably taking a little nap on the bottom of the pond. And uh, as soon as he hears that splashing down the end, boom, you see his eyes and his head and the tail. And he's cruising right out yeah. this thing like a guided missile. Yeah, they get going quick to get Woof. to the food. Woof. Wow. Yeah. So what do we have today in our cryptids in the news? Speaking of creep fests, any creepiness yes, going on here? Are. We are going to do one of my favorite things, which is go back in time. Uh-huh. And uh, we're going to be talking about the wild man of the woods. Ooh. And uh, a lot of this research comes from a site called southernhighlander.com. Okay. Got some cool stuff on there. And it's going to be specifically about a... A famous wild man slash hairy man encounter right here in Caldwell County, North Carolina, from, get this bill, 1877. Wow. Wow. Way that's back a, in time. Yeah, that's a good long time ago, man. Yeah, yeah. So, so this, this is, is uh, they were calling it, uh, well, I don't want to interrupt you, but they were calling this thing a wild man. It's a wild man, which you know, Bill... Back in the 1800s, a lot of these show up in the newspapers and that as wild man encounters. Yeah. Now, some of them, like this one, look a lot like or sound a lot like, sound and look a lot like Sasquatch 
or Bigfoot. Some of them are like, you know, some Civil War soldier that didn't want to serve anymore that runs out in the woods and grows a long beard and has tattered clothes. Yeah, well, it's quite quite a difference, though. Quite a difference. And you'll get to the difference right here. So Mm -hmm. this one, this account happened in 1877, and it's a party of gold miners, right? So back then, mining for gold out in the mountains here in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. traveling through Globe Valley, through the Globe Valley, sorry, in Caldwell County, North Carolina. Okay. They wrote that they encountered what they described as a quote-unquote wild man. Wow. And they said, although they only got within 40 yards of the man, one miner claimed that this peculiar specimen of humanity appeared to be a giant. Wow. Six foot five inches tall, which again, back then, was very tall. A big like bugger. 1877. Get this, with a funnel-shaped head... And two-inch-long dark hair covering his entire body. Yeah, so they would go with the conical head description right conical off the bat. Conical head, six foot five, and two-inch hair covering the entire body. So this is not a man. Well, I wish I had two-inch hair on the top of my head. Yeah, me too. But <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with me. I got the conical thing down, but the two-inch <laughs> hair. I want a hairy cone. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine going into Carvel and telling them, yeah, I'd like a hairy cone, please. <laughs> you should try that. We don't have Carvel down here. Try that and report back next week. <laughs> They'd be like, what? What the heck? Who a heavy planning? cone? No, a hairy one. Yeah. <laughs> Just make a cone and roll it around in the corner back there. <laughs> oh, my God. Bring it back. It'll be uh, yeah, yeah, cone. bring it back when you're done. <laughs> All right, go ahead, man. Keep, All right. keep, so keep marching. You know, this gentleman, see, uh, part, of the, part of the gold mining party, sees what he believes to be a giant, six foot five inches, funnel-shaped head, with two-inch-long dark hair covering its entire body. Uh-huh. When this creature spotted this man and the rest of the miners, he pounded on his chest before turning and bounding off into the woods, get this, Bill, with the speed of a deer. Yeah. Okay. The party tracked him with guns drawn to a cave deep in the mountains, where in the cave they found bones of many animals scattered about. Inclu- indicating that this creature had been living there for quite some time. Wow. And now, it's, it, it's funny that you they mentioned a deer. Uh, I was in the backyard before, Kev, just before sunset. And uh, I'm walking around the yard, and on the other side of the fence, I see this young buck with his antlers growing, mm. uh, eating my neighbor's grass. Well, like, Ten minutes later, somebody pulled in the house next door. I heard the door shut. And a couple of deer must have been out in the side of his house. And they bounded through his backyard and into the woods. And I thought to myself in that moment, how fast has a Sasquatch got to be that they could run down one of those buggers? I mean, these things were boogieing and effortlessly. 
And you know how they look like they're just springing and floating across the yard? Oh, yeah, and they, they just they, bounce along. Yeah. And they've covered 50 yards in the blink of Absolutely. an eye. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, and also that they see this thing pounding its chest. People don't pound their chest. No. And again, you know, the size, the conical head, and two-inch hair covering its entire body. Yeah. yeah and by the no. way, bears don't pound their chest either. Well, maybe once in a while. Once in a while. Yogi Bear, I think, pounded his chest. I think only when he had indigestion. <laughs> but listen, how about the bones in the cave when we were discussing the bone pile encounters? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, for whatever reason, they seem to bring their kill or stuff back to an area maybe more often than not. We're not saying they do it all the time. We have no proof. But certainly these bone collections and in this cave, uh, you know, they were saying it was proof to them that this thing had been in there for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But what else did they come across? Well, that's what they came across. But this author talks about the fact, you know, he writes and says the most amazing thing about this story, you know, in 1877 is how similar it was to hundreds of other sightings and encounters and confrontations that took place across the United States following the Civil War. Hmm. Right. So it's right about that era. And, mm-hmm. you know, he writes that newspapers and magazines carried their stories, and I've seen some of them, you know, in the yeah. old uh, printed news, including this one, by the way. Um, and the reports are remarkably similar. And he points one out in 1896, where Forest and Stream, you know, a publication back then, probably like Field and Stream today, mm-hmm. published a sketch of the wild man of Chiloe. And it says a wild-looking creature with talon-like fingernails and toenails, large tusks instead of teeth, and long hair covering its entire body. What the heck is that? So we got to look up the wild man of Chiloe. Yeah, we got to check that out, man. I did check it out a bit. So, you know, I'm going to go to our listeners, too, and say, if you know anything, especially those of you like me out here in North Kakalaki, uh, let me know if you know anything about the wild man of Chiloe. Now, Chiloe is where? Is that in uh, Carolina, too? They don't say, but it sounds kind of familiar. Hmm. I'll reach out to my friend Phil. Phil, I know you're listening to this. He's got Cherokee background. Oh, yeah. Uh, he may know a bit more about Chiloe. Yeah, or this 1877 wild man encounter in Globe Valley. Can you imagine, Kev, with the limited resources of that time and even more limited availability to somebody like you looking for this stuff. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine how many actual encounters were happening even back then? It's very similar to today, where they just didn't hear about it. I can't imagine, you know, uh, before the Internet. Yeah, well... all the way back then. I'm talking like 1990s. Yeah. Now, there was... uh, Unless... Unless you open your mouth and say something, uh, the conversation isn't just going to start on its own about Bigfoot. No, you no. know you got you got to walk through and that look at door. All of the accounts we had, Bill, where people never said anything until like you know one of their grandkids or something said, 
you know, I was just reading about this thing called Bigfoot, and then uh, the grandfather says, you know, I saw one of those. Yeah, you see? You're like, you never told me? It's all about that safe zone, that conversational safe zone where they feel yeah. I'm with with somebody I can talk to. Yeah, exactly. Incredible, man. Just incredible. You know, and uh, I have some friends down in the South uh, through uh, the podcast and the books, and uh, they make a distinction between the wild man and Bigfoot. Okay. Now, it's almost like they're describing some type of Neanderthal-type individual. It's some type of muscular, uh, not necessarily completely covered in hair, uh, more human-like, and uh, some speak of them as being cannibal. Okay. So, uh... I don't know what that's all about, you know, but this certainly sounded like they they were calling it a wild man, but this sounded like a Bigfoot to me. It did sound like a Bigfoot, but you're right, Bill. Like I said, and a fair number number of these sightings that I read about, you know, were, I think, like uh, soldiers from the Civil War, you know, and maybe they were a little mentally ill mm -hmm. uh, either before fighting the war or after or during fighting the war, and then they just went back into the woods and got a little crazy and, you know, became like a wild uh, recluse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, definitely there's a lot like that because there's several that I read about where they actually find a person, they hunt them down with a posse, and then they find out that they have some kind of identification. Yeah, but you know. again, we're not talking, no human being is going to bound away like a deer. No, and no human being is going to have two-inch hair over yeah. its entire body. That's right. It doesn't matter how long I you... I don't care uh, when you got your last haircut. You know? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and you don't get a full body cut either. No, and I, you know, I don't think you're eating well enough out there in the forest to be growing <coughs> that much hair. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, if you can find something in the woods, my friends... That grows hair. I'll sponsor you, and we'll make millions. You know, it might happen, Bill, but you may grow large tusks, too. I don't care. <laughs> That's right. You yeah. could use a couple of extra fangs, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, I had, if I had large tusks, I would make good use of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you might go into a store and smile at somebody, and they just start throwing cash at you and tell you to get out, you know? Yeah. Looking like a little bit like the beast from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's incredible, man. Eighteen seventy-seven. You got it. Incredible, man. In North Carolina. Well, are you ready for this? I am ready. Now, folks, I have to tell you something. Because of who I am, uh People talk to me about a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, most of you know I wear my religion on my sleeve. So when I'm interviewing or talking to people, a lot of things are shared with me about that. And uh, then, of course, about Bigfoot and UFOs. I mean, I get involved in conversations that just cross many lines. <laughs> 
And really, it's what we were just talking about. The conversation opens when people feel safe. And then it's just a matter of where you go from there. Now, this story here, uh, there's a bit of a love story in here. I'm going to bypass about 50% of the love story. But this is the way it was shared with me. So Does it have a hairy man in the love story, like Beauty uh, and well, the Beast? Well, it's pretty... Uh, the findings here are gross. And uh, speaking of gross, which we just did, and there's also some synchronicity involved here, as you're about to hear. And this rather chilling testimonial came to me by way of Andy Chernoff, a resident of British Columbia. And I'm telling you, folks, if nothing that I've read to you or told you up to this point has blown your mind, hold on to your hat because it's about to get a little rough. Well, you know, Bill, in preparation for this interview, I had many things that were passing through my mind as far as what I was going to say is concerned. I decided for some strange reason to bring you way back into my teenage years where this lifestyle of mine actually began in the hope that it will help somebody else out there who may be a lot like me. It will also help to clarify why I was where I was when this whole affair came to be. As a young man, I had a troubled upbringing, to say the least. The home in which I lived was not exactly a loving and kind environment. I think I was about 14 or 15 years old when I made the acquaintance of a beautiful and cheery girl who lived around the corner from me. It was love at first sight. She had a beautiful sister who was slightly older than her, and her family was everything that mine was not. As the next couple of years progressed, there wasn't anything that I wanted to do more than to hang out with her and hold her hand. Now, there's much more than I have time to say or care to say. But after two years out of the clear blue sky, she broke up with me and the tears flowed like water. Now, you may say, what does this have to do with Bigfoot? Nothing. (laughs) But this is what was shared with me, and this next section that I'm going to get into is going to deliver something that's going to come into play. During my relationship with this girl, she had given me on my birthday a necklace. It was the head of Christ overlaid on a cross, and it had both of our names etched in the back. Many years after the breakup, I took the necklace out of my dresser drawer and threw it into the ocean, never to be seen again. Well, as a fate would as fate would have it, uh, well, let me skip this section. I, I want to stay away from this love story. In so he takes this necklace and throws it into the ocean. In August of two thousand and one. I planned to backpack into the Bonf 
for the weekend in the hope of finding some new and suitable hunting grounds for the fall. I was somewhere in the area of Mount Richardson and the Pipestone River at the time. During the course of the first day, the majority of my time was spent just getting up to and into the area that I had in mind, with only a couple of hours left in the day to do a little reconnaissance, if you will, of the area. The following morning, having spent the night in my bag by the fire, I arose to a beautiful day and started hiking due northeast into an area that I hadn't been in before. I was coming over a low-lying ridge that was looking down into somewhat of a hollow when I noticed what I believed was a tent in the trees below my position. I decided to go down and introduce myself to whoever was there. It took me maybe 10 minutes to make it to the tent. When I finally walked up on it, the tent was half knocked down and the campsite appeared to have been abandoned. The aluminum poles on one side were collapsed, and I could see a large, clean cut in the fabric of the tent on the same side as the collapsed poles. For whatever reason, I took a moment to lift the poles back into place, straightening them in the process in order to get the tent back into form. Having done so, I walked around to the front, where the entry flap had been torn open, and I stuck my head inside. Lying on the floor of the tent was the fully dressed corpse of a man in what was a pool of dried up blood that covered most of the tent's floor. There was a handgun lying on the floor and numerous expended shell casings were strewn about. A chill came over my body that is indescribable. It wasn't all about what I was seeing, but all I can say is that it felt like I was now being watched by whoever or whatever had done this hideous deed. My hair was standing on end, and I was trembling. There were three sleeping bags in the tent, and two were stained in blood. And yet there was only one man. The stench gagged me as I looked more closely at him. So I pressed my handkerchief against my nose and mouth. The flesh was all but gone from the bones, and yet there was something odd about the body as I stood over it looking down. The entire ribcage seemed to be collapsed to within a few inches of the ground. His chest looked like a balloon that had the air let out of it. The clothes were basically flat to the tent's floor. I shuddered and turned my gaze to the torn tent wall. What I had seen on the outside as a cut in the side of the tent looked like it may have been made from the inside as a means of escape, but from what or who? I must tell you that at this point in time, I was in a state of shock. I continued to survey the inside and now took note of the fact that there were some large footprints on the tent's floor 
that were made in the dried blood. It was difficult to say how many because they were all overlapping each other and smeared around. There was one that I could see clearly, and it consisted of the toes, heel, and ball of a giant foot. It was like a man's, only shaped very oddly. It was then that I stepped back outside and started to look around in the direction that someone may have went had the person fled through the torn side of the tent. I walked about 30 feet from the tent where I came upon a buck knife lying open on the ground. As I began to scan around the knife, there it was, another body, fully clothed and lying face up on the ground. Walking over to the second corpse, I looked down on the body and I was struggling to keep my composure. I say this because he only appeared to be face up. What I was actually looking at was a dead man lying face down, whose head had been twisted around, now facing backwards. I could see the neck bones, and they were completely disconnected from each other. I went back over by the tent to confirm in my mind that I had seen three sleeping bags, and I had. Where was the third person? I continued to look around. The feeling of being watched was now amplified within me. I looked for about another hour or so and could not find the third person. God only knows what happened to that individual in the woods. I returned to the body lying on the ground and took the wallet out of the back pants pocket. As I took the driver's license out, I was looking at the smiling face of a 27-year-old man named Walter who was now a decaying mass of bones laying in the woods. I began to weep. A great sadness fell over me as my mind tried to comprehend the scene which I was standing in, as it must have happened. The footprints, to me, could only have been those of a Sasquatch. The man whose body was on the floor of the tent had obviously fired numerous rounds, in an effort to fight off the invader and had lost. When I went back into the tent, I saw four shell casings. Perhaps there were more that I hadn't seen. The sheer terror that must have unfolded in this campsite was enveloping me now as I stood there. One thing that struck me was that the bodies had not been torn apart by anything else in the woods for they were completely intact as they had met their death. I left this place hiking double time until I made it fully back to my vehicle, which was nothing less than a 10-hour speed hike. I didn't know I had it in me, but I couldn't stop to rest. The entire time I was in fear of my life, and that kept me going full tilt. A body with his chest caved in, folks. A man with his head spun around backwards. Pools of dried blood and empty shell casings. 
It really makes you want to wander around in the dark with a night vision scope, unarmed, looking for Bigfoot, does it not? <laughs> what do you think of that, Kev? Whoa. Pretty violent uh, encounter. Yeah, and uh, dead men tell no tales. No. And where was number three? Mm. You figure if number three had got away, number three would have brought back to where the tent and the men were, and he wouldn't have found them. Yeah. No outline of a person in the wall, right, that ran out the door like Scooby-Doo? Yeah. Yeah, like a cutout. But I'll tell you something, Kev. Only now as I'm reading this uh, to our listeners, you know what this reminds me a lot of? The Dyatlov Pass incident. Oh, yeah. In Russia. I didn't think of that beforehand either. But as I'm reading this, the slice in the side of the tent Yes. That seemed to have been made from the inside out. I don't think that really happened, though, Bill. What, Dyatlov? Yeah, Russians said it was uh, a little uh, snowfall. Yeah, yeah, a little snowfall took the tent out. You know we have to trust them. Yeah, and everybody ran away naked. Yeah, well, they were having a party. And they got their tongues pulled out and their eyes taken out. They were going streaking. I don't know what happened with the tongues. Could be a bad (laughs) Yeah, could be a bear. <laughs> a bear in a tutu. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I'm telling you, man, you want to talk about a creep fest. That is just freaking brutal. That is to one you. violent and creepy encounter. Yeah. And, and you led us into it with a love story. Well, I kind of avoided the, the love story. It, it, I I, get, I had to give you part of it because he had said in the section I laid out or, or I left out, he had said that after this relationship died on him, that he was never right and he was always like a solitary individual. Ah. And so this led him into hiking and hunting as a a source of relief for him, you know. Okay. That and so sense. that's how he found himself alone. But how about this? How many times have we heard about encounters in the Bonf? Mm. You know, that that place, man. And if you don't know what I'm saying, Bonf is B-A-N-F-F. Yeah, Bonf National Park up in uh, Canada. That's right. I think yeah. it's in British Columbia. Yeah, Banff. 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 It might, might be in uh, the province east of British Columbia. My brain's not working. Is that Alberta? Uh, Calgary, Alberta. Yeah, Alberta. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm telling you, man, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to go out there. I'm certainly not wandering around by myself. Uh, and, you know, in reference to the hairy man thing, uh, I told you I was spoken to that Brit. Uh, his name is Rob. Rob, if you're listening, hello out there. My new British buddy over in British Columbia. And he had run into an Irishman that also came over from Ireland to British Columbia. 
a this guy had an encounter with a Bigfoot. He saw it basically lounging on a slab of stone in the sun. And in his mind, coming from Ireland and knowing nothing about this type of stuff, he thought it was just some type of odd, wild man thing that lives in Canada, and he kind of took it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Can you imagine? Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, just like he he's coming from Ireland. and uh, He's like, he's, oh, maybe they're French. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's a rumor. It's just... It's weird, though, you know, how people perceive things, you know? Yeah, no, that's super weird. Uh, but uh, anyways, there you have it. That is a great account, although super violent. Yeah, well, you know, this is why I tell people, you know, if you meet up with Bigfoot and you go home, you've had a really good day. You don't know what you're running into. You don't know. No. We know the capabilities, ultra-strong uh, knocking trees down, moving heavy equipment, brute brute strength. So you know it's like it's just unbelievable. You know you can't you you can't put boundaries on what may or may not happen to you yep. if you run into one of these creatures. Yeah, you know. So I don't Wild want to. stuff. I mean, a good reminder of how violent the encounter can be. You know, when we get into our listener mail, we're going to have one uh, one uh, letter that talks about, you know, maybe they're misunderstood in their violence. <laughs> Look, I know the guy is dead, but maybe he was having a bad day. Yeah. You know, be nice to them. Maybe he tripped. Yeah. Maybe he yeah. tripped and died. Allergic reaction. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Maybe he choked on a rib. Snow uh, avalanche. Yeah, avalanche. Inside the house. Yeah, inside the house in the middle of a valley with no mountains around it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. You've got it, that's Kev. It. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm here to help. Just move on. You could you you would have been a great counselor. Yeah. <laughs> What's the problem? Your friend had his head turned around. Maybe he saw something interesting. Yeah. He turned his head around, broke several of his cervical so vertebrae. he broke his uh, vertebrae. And killed himself. Could be. You're right, Kev. I'm with you on that. I mean, you know. <laughs> who knows who walked by? <laughs> <laughs> Must have been real good looking to snap your head like that. Just saying. So what do we have in our listener mail tonight? Oh, uh, we got some good listener mail this week. We're going to start out with a pretty freaky one. Right. And this is from Frank from Utah. Okay. Yeah. And this is, you know, Frank is from Utah. So this is going to be an old Mormon Sasquatch encounter. No kidding. Yep. All right. The Sasquatch was a Mormon? Uh, no, the Mormons encountered the Sasquatch. Oh. I'm not sure of the Sasquatch's faith. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's Frank from Utah. I was doing a bit of light reading today on cryptid folklore in Utah. Frank's my kind of guy, right? Uh-huh. And stumbled across this awfully strange encounter by an early Mormon leader 
who had a run-in with a very squatchy-sounding creature who introduced himself as someone very infamous. The Sasquatch introduced himself? That's what he's saying. Now, this is Mormons, you know, uh, well, i got to be careful what I say. But, yeah, well, you know, Frank is reading this anyway, yeah. so yeah, go, go, let's ahead. Keep going. go ahead. Let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, this encounter was written in a letter and later published in a popular Mormon book titled The Miracle of Forgiveness, and it goes as such. In the spring of 1835, Mormon apostle David W. Patton was serving a mission in Tennessee and staying with a family with the family of Abraham Smoot, a mayor of Salt Lake City and Provo, Utah. Three three and a half years later, in October 1838, Patton was killed at the Battle of Crooked River in Missouri. Hmm. A 1900 biography reprinted a letter Smoot sent to Joseph F. Smith, right, the founder of the Mormons, in 1893, reporting Patton's claim that while riding his mule back to Smoot's home, he met a very remarkable personage who had represented himself as being Cain, who had murdered his brother Abel. As I was riding along the road on my mule, I suddenly noticed a very strange personage walking beside me. His head was about even with my shoulders as I sat in my saddle. He wore no clothing but was covered with hair. His skin was very dark. I asked him where he dwelt, and he replied that he had no home, that he was a wanderer in the earth, and traveled to and fro. He said he was a very miserable creature, that he had earnestly sought death during his sojourn upon the earth, but that he could not die, and his mission was to destroy the souls of men. (laughs) I know. About the time he expressed himself thus, I rebuked him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by virtue of the holy priesthood, and commanded him to go hence, and he immediately departed out of my sight. Pretty strange, eh? And this is out of this book? Yeah. Very, very strange. Yeah, he writes, pretty strange, eh? W.J. often remarks he feels that there may be a demonic element to these creatures, and this is certainly up that alley. Yeah. I don't quite buy it. But it's interesting nonetheless, and I thought you guys might think so too. By the way, the show keeps getting better. Thank you guys so much. Congrats on episode 200, Frank. (laughs) Pretty freaky, right? Yeah, definitely freaky deaky. Uh, I don't quite know what to say about that whole thing. And, uh, uh, you know... What are you going to say? Just talking? Well, I can't say anything, but it's freaky deaky. That's why yeah. I read it. Uh, we, it's There's nothing saying it was a Bigfoot, just some big hairy guy or something, no clothes on. Well, yeah, but giant, a giant. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. telling him that he, he can't die, is, he's just sojourning. Kind of to roam the earth and torture people, you know. Yeah, that doesn't sound uh, anything more than demonic to me. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Frank, I think you're uh, right with your surmisal <laughs> of some type of demon activity. Yeah. Wow. All right. So our next one's going to be a little bit lighter. And this is a return uh, writer, Matthew from the Netherlands. Uh-huh. And if you remember, Matthew wrote in a couple of weeks ago, we read his letter, talking about the fact that he's like teaching English as a second language mm-hmm. in the Netherlands. And part of the English language, like reading comprehension exam, is about cryptids. Oh. And Matthew actually sent in a copy of the exam. Okay. So it's super cool. So I I took the liberty of like just talking a little bit about here about the cryptid portion of the exam. Which now is wait why. a second. Kev, you got you got the exam? Yeah, he sent it as a uh Good old PDF document. Well, somehow I overlooked that because he sent me another email saying, like, basically, how do I get this PDF file to you? Yeah, you had a link in the email. And uh, if you clicked on the link, now it took a while. Like, I was like, after I clicked on it, honestly, me being a tech guy, I was like, why did I click on that? Like, my hard drive is probably melting down. No offense, Matthew. But it turns out that the address was all the way in the Netherlands. To download the PDF, which makes sense because it's part of their exam. Okay, good. And he sent a copy of the whole English as a second language exam, which is super cool. Wow. So, so the the uh, I'm not going to read the whole part on right. cryptids, but the monsters. The, it's called monsters. That section of the exam. They have another section, for example, on the smoke jumpers, like the mm-hmm. forest forest fighters that jump out of planes that fight fight fires uh, up on the mountainside. You know, it's kind of interesting, all the different episodes, all the different uh, reading comprehension Mm -hmm. uh, things they have. But this one is called Monsters. And they talk about the skunk ape, also known as the Florida Bigfoot. No kidding. Yeah. And they talk about whether it really Mm. exists and the accounts about it and stuff like that. And then one I don't think I've heard about, Bill, called the Dewey Lake Monster. Never heard of it. Yeah, and it says uh, Dewey Lake Monster is the name given to a legendary creature said to be approximately 10 feet tall and weighing 500 pounds, which first gained wide notoriety in June 1964 after several sightings near Dewey Lake, Michigan. Okay, we got to look into that. I'm I'm all over this Dewey Lake monster. If uh, I have to go up to Dewey Lake myself and look for him, I'm fascinated by the fact, and it's really an intelligent approach to teaching language. Yeah, that you allow the people to get into some subject matter that at least sparks some interest. Absolutely, it makes you pay attention. Right? Yeah, and you, you're kind of learning and like daydreaming and. Learning and wondering, you know, rather than just me reading some mundane. No doubt uh, about it. And then the next one, the last one, is the Mongolian monster, which we covered. Yes. This is the legendary creature that's been discussed in accounts from central and eastern Arizona up to the Mongolian rim rim near the Grand Canyon. Yep. Yeah. Super. Yeah, we had we had that account that I went over. We'll we'll hit that again sometime. Yeah, but I mean, 
Thank you, Matthew, for sending that in. It's super cool. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, uh, the audience is so diverse. Yeah. And uh, I know some people out there just locked into their own gig. But when I talk to people that are in our audience, man, they are just uh, northeast, south, and west, uh, different from each other. They have opinions, ideas, uh, but they're interested, you know, and that's no what counts. Yeah. Wow. No doubt about it. And then our last uh, email we'll cover this week comes in from Diane. Mm -hmm. And uh, the subject is picture of Bigfoot taken by a kayaker. So this is that uh, video that I covered a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she writes, to the Bigfoot Brothers, wonderful podcast that keeps me coming back week after week. Nice to know brothers can remain such good friends and cohorts. A word about the kayakers video. I think this is indeed a more realistic look at the real deal. Other sightings seem to be stereotyped with the image of scary stories. Bill, I've heard you say Bigfoot are dangerous. Here we go, Bill. But perhaps they're like pit bull dogs. They have the potential to be evil and harm people, but also might be like 98-pound weaklings. I mean, we all live what we learn, even Bigfoot. Consider that the scrawny and spindly nature of this guy is more reality than the King Kong image. Won't argue with always carry more gun than you think you're going to need philosophy, but <laughs> just maybe we don't always have to shoot first and ask questions later. If evolution is responsible and Bigfoot are a missing link, I'm hopeful we can learn something before they all go the way of the dinosaur. P.S. Do you two ever get together and do things? Like explore and camp? Here's to many more years of the Brothers podcast. So, Diane, you know, first off, well, of course, thanks for writing in. Um, really, really well-written letter, even though I didn't read it that well. <laughs> That's my limitation. So I, I like the concept, too, that if this, if Bigfoot is a form of a missing link, right, if it really exists, I do believe, you know, whether it's a missing link or just a species that we don't, you know, we haven't characterized yet, we just don't know, which is the camp that I lean in, you know, if it exists, um, is uh, I love the way you wrote about that. I'm not sure about the pit bull comparison. Um, and I do respect the fact that you say always oh, carry more gun than you think you're going to need anyway. <laughs> but I 1,000%, if there is such a thing as 1,000%, agree with the fact that, you know, we don't want to just go out there and shoot this thing. Yeah, well, here's my theory on evolution. I'm going to send shell after shell downrange <laughs> until there ain't nothing left moving. What do you think of that? Yeah, my brother's throwing lead at it. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Is he still moving? Bang. <laughs> <laughs> then he hit him with the butt end of the shotgun. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you, man, uh, that footage in the kayak 
looked really legit to me. And, I, I uh, thought that was good. And again, like that's the one out of a hundred that I uh, study and actually get to report on. Yeah, no, that was an interesting piece. And uh, I'm not going to shoot. I'm not in any position to be shooting everybody down uh, with their reports and their sightings. I just had a guy contact me, Kev. I, I think I sent you this email, a very lengthy email about numerous UFO encounters. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to give him a jingle. His name is Carl. Uh, he's somewhere in your neighborhood, Kev. The area code's in your state. Oh. Uh, so I'm going to give him a shout one of these days. Uh, I don't know if they're retired, working, you know, I don't know anything about them, but. I'm going to try to hook up with him and hear what he's got. But I'm nobody to shoot these people down with their reports because... No, no. And I I appreciate them writing in, too, you know. Yep, yep. There's a lot of opinions out there about a lot of things, you know. Yep. And I'm interested in hearing them, you know. Yep. I'm, a, I'm a people person. I talk smack with people all the time, you know. I mean, I don't necessarily have to agree with you to get along with you, you know. Of course. And, of course, if you want to argue with that, we'll just start running now because here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, that's it this week. Good podcast. And yeah. uh, thanks, folks, for your continued support. Thanks for those five-star reviews. And thank you for those written reviews, too. You know, they keep us going. The five-star reviews are important to br- attract new listeners to the podcast. And then we like to read those written nice reviews because it's great to hear from you, just like the listener mail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and same thing goes for the books, folks, the audio books, paperbacks. Leave good reviews on them. Uh, And by the way, you should find yourself hiking through the Banff in Alberta. You best remember one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.